So, you know, again, uh, the Heroes of Faith series is built around Old Testament figures, and we shared, again, that a lot of these figures that we're going to be looking at, different speakers are going to be sharing around, they were flawed. That's why I wanted to start that out by saying, you know, these are people who had, who had struggles themselves. And, and that got me thinking about the warriors, okay? Okay, I know, I know. How did you do that? Um, and I was thinking about their big game tonight. And I had been thinking about how this is either going to be one of my best Father's Days ever. <laughs> Or, no, okay. So, I, you know, it got me thinking about their historic run. And I know not everybody's a basketball fan, but it's just kind of a, it's kind of a big deal right now. And, and I was thinking about how if they lose, which it is possible. And, uh, you know, the critics are going to be falling over themselves. You know, some of them will be rejoicing over, over the flaws of, of, of our team and, and, and saying we choked. And, and as a fan, I would lament it, obviously. I would also be thankful for a lot of the fun I've had while following them. But they will be losers and failures in the eyes of a lot of the uh, national media, people like Barkley, Van Gundy, Jackson. These guys, are, they're, gonna go, they're, gonna go, they're gonna be extraordinarily, they're like vultures sitting on a tree waiting to pounce, right? Saying, I told you so, right? And so here, I would love to prove them wrong, I so would. But you know, I think, I think, I actually think Curry's hurt way more than he's showing. And <laughs> so I, I say that because I think he's got injuries and he's surgery. Now, he still may have enough in him for us to win, but here's the point. Uh, I, I, he's not superhuman. He's, he's flawed. Here's, none of us are superhuman. All of the, the Heroes of Faith series that we're looking at right here assumes that all of us, like the heroes that we're gonna that we've you know we're gonna be looking at and learning from in the weeks ahead as different speakers share, that all of us like them are gonna have seasons of struggle in this life of faith, this race of faith. Then we're gonna have seasons of weakness and disappointment. There are gonna be times in our lives when even though we're sincere about following the Lord, there are gonna be private wounds and 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 hurts and perhaps injuries that we can't even disclose that are inhibiting our capacity and other people may not know about them. They may look at us and say, what's wrong with you? We may not feel comfortable being able to share it. It might be hard for us. They might not realize how much we're actually hurting, how hard it is for us and um, what we're having to walk through. Some of our wounds are self-inflicted. They're tough. Some of them are other-inflicted. That's tough too. How do we walk through that? I think all of us, you know, it's like, we were, anyone who has a relationship with Jesus, and I'm hoping all of us, even those of us who are beginning to come close to that point, we're stepping across the faith line. But what we will always need to remember is that we were born in grace. That's the water we were born in. We were conceived in grace. And we will always need grace to the day we see him again and emerge into a different life. And that, that life that he has for us, what he called that place that he has prepared, when, we, when this body of ours can no longer house the spirit, the real us that's within it, and we leave, that we will be people who live in grace, that we need the grace of God always and forever as much as we need the air that we breathe to, sur- to survive. Okay, that's my message for today. I think we can just go home and call it a, right? I mean, I, but I know I really I look at this. So here, here's the deal, right? Hebrews 11. This is where we're going to focus on. Now I want to look at, if we can, three passages fairly rapidly, and the one has to do with the review of where we were last week because I don't assume everyone is here. Now Hebrews 11, as I alluded to earlier, is called sometimes the Hall of Faith. 
All these different figures of the Old Testament are referenced. Names that we would recognize in the early part take up the bulk of the chapter. Um, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Joseph. These are highly recognizable figures in the scriptures. Large chunks of the, of the Older Testament are devoted to their stories and their accounts. But as the chapter goes towards its close or its transition, different people are mentioned, some of whose names are far more obscure and only given little spaces, but they each exhibited some type of heroic faith. And the, and the end of Hebrews describes the kind of struggles and the pains and the violence that they were forced to endure. So I'm gonna read that really fast. There's a bottom side to that, the part that when it gets to the end, that part near the 40th verse, uh, a lot of times it doesn't make sense what it's saying. I'm gonna try to at least explain it so we understand it together. Watch what happens here. So so the writer says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, and of Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. We spent a lot of time right there. They became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom, I love this phrase as well, of whom this world was not worthy, wandering about in in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. That is... There was one great promise of faith that eluded them that they never realized. And and what he's trying to imply is this. They never were able to, to understand or put their hands around the promise of Messiah. All that their faith anticipated, which which was fulfilled in Jesus. Since God has provided something better for us, we share the fulfillment of the promise that they could only conceive in such little ways and only in bits and pieces and shadows but then he says that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. That the, that the full aspiration of what their faith represented can on, only really be appreciated on the other side of Jesus and something that we participate in. Look how the, so I, I put this little, these two verses in the, from the message translation because it gives a little bit of, a, of an easier way to put a handle on what is being described here. Watch what that says in that, that other column there, the top of the other of the column on the right side of the handout there. It says, not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. You see it? God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together and make one completed whole. You see, what he's saying is that their faith, that only could point to something that they couldn't even see. Like all those sacrifices that you read about when you read the Older Testament, all the prophets saying there's going to come a one, there's a one promise, one who will take away the sins of this world, who will rescue our people, the king of kings. All of that was a promise by faith. They, they couldn't see it. But what he's saying is that really that promise that they anticipated and what we have now received connects us, and we're connected by Jesus. That, that, that's really, that if we have Jesus, then in a certain sense we are the culmination of everything that their faith anticipated. He connects us all together. Their lives of faith are not complete apart from ours. I love the idea of connectedness of the old and the new. That's why I say, even though a lot of the stories we're looking at take place in a very different culture and a very different time in history and a lot of stuff may go against the grain of our sensibilities, the fact of the matter is each of our faiths completes one another. The old is fulfilled in the new. 
and the new is rooted in the old. And Jesus is the link that pulls it all together. Do you see that? It's like the cross is the perfect symbol. I know it was meant as a Roman torture symbol, a, a torture, tool of torture. Painful death to teach everyone a lesson who would oppose the Roman Empire. And they had borrowed that from Persia. But the fact of the matter is, the very essence of the cross reminds me of the vertical and the horizontal, that God comes to us. We could never get to him. He comes to us so that we might know him. And that that reach goes in both directions, the old and the new coming together in Jesus, one anticipating the other building off of, all pointing back to the centerpiece, the cross. Now, the writer goes on to say this, Therefore, and this is the last piece of scripture there, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, or in light of this reality, since we're all surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, all these people who've gone before us by faith, showing us how to live a life of faith, who both inspire and, and root us on, let us, in light of their example, okay, let us strip off, for those of us who would run this race of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Racers in Paul's, you know, racers in their day, in Paul's day, had outer garments that could hinder them or trip them up. And so like we would do today when we have warm-up suits, when an athlete's getting ready to run, they'll warm up. But then when the time comes, and we'll see it tonight as well, when they get ready to enter into the, to the competition itself, they'll strip themselves down of their outer, outer garments so they can move. That's what Paul's saying. He says, all this, every weight that slows us down, especially, he says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, entangles us, hinders us and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And you know how we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. There it is, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, who creates and keeps, initiates, completes, because the joy of waiting him, he says, he endured the cross, he disregarded the shame. That is, he showed us how it's done. The focus, the submission, the committed love, the selflessness. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Now there's so much here. We could take this in so many different directions. For me, what I'd like us to just at least settle into, there's a reality here. Let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. We all who would follow the Lord are part of a great race. It's the great race of faith. But within the great race of faith that in a way we're all born into the day we open our hearts up to him, we also, all of us, are called to run in a unique race. Each of us has a unique race to run, and our race is going to be different in some ways than someone else's race, all right? I mean, I, I, I think every now and then it's good for us to remember we have a race that is very unique to run. It's been marked out for us. What is our assigned race? Have we thought about it? Have we thought about where we are in that race, this race of faith that, that is, in a sense, the arc of our life with God? Are we committed to the race he's asking us to run? Are we tired or are tiring of running it? Now, every race has its unique weights and entanglements, all right? We all have it. There are entanglements and unique things that need to be challenged that, that are weighing, that are really, they, they, they are, can, some of them are connected to our past. And my past may be different than yours. It is. None of us have the same past. Some of us have experiences, patterns of behavior, reacts that have become ingrained into us, that when the heat is on, this is what we drop into. Now, some of it's connected to what we saw modeled. 
And some of it isn't. Some of it's just stuff that we've learned on our own. But this is the type of thing we're talking about, the things that are specifically, there are things that are specifically tied. When we talk about sins and what, they're specifically tied to uh, our upbringing, to our dispositions, to our unique vulnerabilities. And we all have them. And every now and then, it's good to think about what ours are, not to just get all depressed. But here's the deal. My hindrance may not be your hindrance. Yours may not be mine. And this, so I might, there might be an area where I really struggle, and you do fine. It's like, that's not a problem for you. There might be an area where, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm okay with this. I, 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 I do fine with my walk with God, but for, uh, for someone else, that is like a really tough zone. I, I, I would say this, that one, that's one of the reasons why we need to be merciful to one another. Tenderhearted, the Bible says. Because just like every hero of faith, we all have flaws and unique struggles. So let's not be, but let's not be dismayed. Let's not be discouraged. That was my, my larger purpose here is actually to encourage us because I truly believe, I truly believe this, we can prevail in our race of faith. And we can do more than just survive. We can flourish. We can grow. We can learn. We can become a better racer. But part of it means we're going to have to do a second thing, which is to, to run our race, as we're told, with endurance, patience. In the Greek, the word is hupomone. It means not a passive resignation, but a kind of tenacious resilience that is focused on something and pursues it. We're called to run towards a goal that inspires us to contend. And then we're told from this same passage, not only are we to run this race with patience, but what, when the going gets tough, shift the focus back onto Jesus, who is the ultimate example, the ultimate racer, the ultimate champion, the one who shows us how to get it done. He did what the heroes could only do in part and imperfectly, he did in, in whole. And, and so he, he really is the model. So, okay, here's what I want us to do. He's the origin, originator and sustainer of our faith. When it comes to this idea of heroic faith and running our race of faith, there are tendencies that we need to be aware of if we're going to do this right. And one of these, and I like to do it periodically, most of the time I like to do something in threes just to get it because it's easy to put a handle on it. Which I'm not sure which one of these is going to most resonate. I know for me which one does. But there are tendencies to be aware of when it comes to running this race of faith and being able to do it for the long haul and to prevail, even if it's just prevailing in this stretch of the race that we're in. Here's a tendency to be aware of. One of them is this, the tendency to become weighed down and tripped up as we talked about earlier, by things we should not be carrying. Emotions, you know, negative self-talk, attitudes, habits, stuff that honestly, the, the waste and sins that so slow us down. Um, some things are clearly wrong. We call those sins. Some things are they're just bad. Others are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they may be bad for us right now. Those are weights. And those kind of things need to be challenged because a lot of times what will happen is we're running our race and we're going, man, this is hard right now. And part of it is because we're carrying stuff. We're like running. We want to run. The want to is there. 
But like we're almost a contradiction because part of me is going, I want to run with you, Lord. I want to run the race you've called me to run. But then I've got this stuff I'm carrying. and I'm going, but it's hard. And the Lord's saying, but why are you carrying that? I didn't give that to you to carry. That, yeah, but I, li I like carrying this stuff right now. So I like, I like carrying that. But, but that, that might hurt you. I think for this season, you need to lay that down. But Lord, I really don't, well, part of me does. The other part of me, you know, I really don't know if I, I don't know if I really want to do that. Do you want to run the race I beside you? Yes. Do you want to let that go? No. <laughs> so it's like, okay, what do you want to do? Because the result is going to mean that you're going to need, okay, can you loosen your grip? Let's start there. Can you say I'm open? I think so. Okay. We're making progress, all right? Sometimes, like in the parable of the prodigal son, the issue is a lot to do with our attitudes. And for me, I love that parable. You know, it's my, it's my favorite parable, all the stories that Jesus told. I think it's the heart of the gospel, for one thing. He came to seek and save the lost and to recover the lost. The son was lost. We call him prodigal. Prodigal means wasteful. You know, that many of us, he messed it all up. He messed it all up. Squandered everything. His, all the money. The father, his inheritance. Give me my inheritance. I know better. Attitude. Takes it, cashes it in, loses it all. Decides, I'll go back home. I'll just ask if I could get hired. You know the story. See, he comes home and his father shocks him because it's all about grace. You're my son. I love you. I thought you were dead. You're alive. We're going to have a celebration. Bring out the, bring out the, okay, I can just talk about the parable. But it's the brother, as we mentioned last week, the other brother who was lost in a different way, wasn't he? Because they say to him, your brother who was dead, remember, he lost it all. You stayed here and worked faithfully for your dad. He's back. Aren't you happy? He's having a party for him. You got to come. I'm not coming. I'm not going in. I will not waste my time. See this, the small heartedness, the locked up resentment, the anger. Father comes out, son, you got to come in. Don't do this. Your attitude's wrong. I get it, but it's wrong. You got to come in. All that I have is yours. Come on. You got to celebrate. See, and he's, 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 and I love again the, 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 the way that Rembrandt's picture captures it is he's just aloof, watching, but not willing to go in, hands locked up. God, things lock us up. The Lord doesn't want us locked up. No. That weight, he, don't carry that weight. Some of us need to mentally and, and emotionally declutter ourselves. We are too cluttered with stuff in there. And the Lord wants us to lean some of that down. Are there attitudes or feelings that are weighing us down? The Lord is inviting us to lighten our load and run more lightly. Others of us, we might have like habits 
that we've acquired, and this is like a highly addictive era. We are an amazing time of technology, and it's also a time of extraordinary addiction to things that people don't even want to be addicted to. And it's, I mean, there's constant voices like calling out to us uh, just to neutralize. And, and some of those voices, and I was sharing this last night, they're like the siren death voices calling to us, stuff that wants to bring us back into places we can't go, shouldn't go. It's robbing us of our initiative, our passion. We feel beaten down, hamstrung. It's hard to run. We can kind of limp along. And I'm telling you, when we get in these places where we start hearing these, these things starting to try to tear us down. So we're going to need to bring other people. You want to know how to run part of running the race when we're feeling weighed down by stuff of our past. It's starting to claw itself back into our lives and we can see it, sense it. We got to bring others into it. We got to bring others in. We got to do it. I mean, I look at, this is what I do. When I sense that I'm, I'm really getting hurt in my ability to run, like this is hurting me now. And my will is paralyzed a little bit. I go, I still, you're you're in a danger zone right now. You need to be careful. You know what I did? I go internal and external. I like, I start praying more specifically. I start journaling my thoughts. I'll start, I start having conversations with trusted friends. I'll get in, I'll bring in my account, I'll up the ante on my accountability. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna do whatever, I'm not even, if I have to talk, I'll talk to someone who I trust who's just, whatever we, we're in those places where we know we're in jeopardy, or tempted to go back into places we should not go. Look, that's when you gotta, we surround, any angle of support, I'll pull it in. I'm gonna try, I'm open. I'm very, look, there is, how can I say it? There is no shame in wanting to get better. Ever, ever. I, in fact, I, I remember when Jesus, he would ask people, well, at least one man in John 5, he said to him, something I've always, I thought, why are you asking him this? But there was this man who was very sick, a paralytic. And Jesus said to him, do you want to be healed? That's like, why would you ask him that? But Jesus felt, about, do, you, do you want to be? And I get the, yes. A, a lot of times they were saying, do you, is that, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be? That's a huge, actually that question, I understand. What do you, I kind of understand a part of what I think he's getting at. It's like, is this what you want, really? Because it can be done. Two, our tendency, not just to carry things we shouldn't carry, but also to wander off course and lose our focus, which is meaning to me to become distracted. We're capable of being distracted by so many things. There's no question about that. Distracted from running the race of faith that's been marked out for us. The truth is that, oh, we can stop looking at the pace setter. And when we stop looking at the one who's the author and finisher of our faith. And again, I'm talking about these other voices that start calling to us. I mean, I'm running my race. You're running your race of faith. Things are going good. All of a sudden, someone's calling over here. And we're just kind of casual about it. And next thing you know, I'm running off. And then I lost my, I lost my, co- I'm off course. I lost my focus. And sometimes it's very innocent loss of focus I can just pull back on, but other times it's actually I'm in peril. And a voice starts to whisper, what are you doing anyway? This Jesus thing isn't real. 
why are you even bothering to even try to run this race? What are you, what, you start, all this stuff starts flying our way, right? Just pull off, pull off, and pull off, enjoy the, forget it. And you just quit running. You, you're not good enough anyway. You can't make it anyway. The, you're going to quit anyway down the road. Just quit now and enjoy. It's, it's, it's like, why bother? Why challenge it? Why push yourself? Why stay? Don't find, you know, it's, you get this, this stuff. And the Lord's trying to say to us, differently. He's trying to talk to us differently. He's, he's trying to say to us, and I've heard this voice sometimes, I'm trying to get off, I'm running off course, sometimes I'm just fooling around. Son, get, come on. I'm with you. Stay on your race. Keep moving. Son, I'm with you. Steady, steady. Daughter, steady. Hold your line. Keep moving. Come on. Steady. Steady. Well, look at this. The same Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. I'm just going to flash it up for the message translation. Watch. The first two verses are captured. Look what it says, because it's going to render it different. And then watch the third one behind it. Look what it says. Just stick with me. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. Then look at this phrase. No extra spiritual fat. And then the other one, no parasitic sins. What is that? It's on me. It's living, it's living off of me. It's like stuck on me. I'm running. I've got something, some parasite living on me. It's like, what is that? No par- look at it. No parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look at this. Who both began and finished the race we're in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. Then watch what follows in verse 3. I love this. I love the way it's rendered. Look at this. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item, that long litany of hostility that he just like plowed through. And then you know what that will do? It will shoot adrenaline into your soul. How good is that? How many of us need an adrenaline shot every now and then right into the soul? Oh, man, I needed that. Oh, God. All right, last one. Here we go. The tendency to not pace ourselves, to lose heart, to want to quit. And I'm talking about that tendency to push too hard for too long, right? That's what we're talking about. And in that proverbial... This happens when you, you have, if you work out, it's all, there'll be a point when you're some t- something athletically where if you do it long enough, th- there's what, call, this happens to runners a lot, you hit, you hit the wall. And when you hit the wall, it's because we're pushing ourselves at the max for too long and our body can't, can't actually keep it up. At, it's an unsustainable pace for us and we, start, and we can start to burn out and melt down. And that can happen in life too. Listen, we can be working and stop working. We can be working for the king and stop working. Right? We mess ourselves up because we're not pacing properly. Pacing needs to be tailored to our uniqueness. Remember, even Jesus honored the Sabbath. I mean, he, 
Did he need to go to church? But he does. He honors the Sabbath. He had prayer time. He had church time. He had community time. It was in the rhythm of his life. The most whole being the world has ever seen had the rhythm that we're actually sharing in right now. It's the place where God can help us a lot of times. Remember, this is not a sprint. It's Christian. He didn't say run the sprint of life. <laughs> ah. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long haul run. You know, over the years, I'll say this now, now that I'm older, because I started, hopefully I have a little race to run still, but I started when I was 16 years old. I was a youth pastor here, youth leader. And since that time, I've been able to watch a lot of people. I felt like I've, I was trying to get myself to follow Jesus. I was trying to get, over the years, I've tried to encourage everybody else to follow Jesus. And how we can do this, strengthen you, strengthen one another, right? And, and, and over the years, here's what I've, running the race, faith. I watch some people. Now I've, I look back, I go, I watch people who they got out of the gate so fast. I was like, wow. Uh, they blew out of the gate. They, their running style, oh, gorgeous. Uh, the stride, the talent, the gifts, the growth. It's like, whoa. I watched that, and, and then I've, I, look, I even have seen, I even saw, I've been now, I've been here long enough where I've seen pastors come and go. And so I, I, I say that because I look, and I remember how sometimes I would look at them, and, and, then, they would, and then I would go, and then I would watch them, them start to, to fall away or to crumble. And they grew so fast, they didn't have any roots. And in fact, I think they grew disproportional to their root system and lacked a character base to sustain them when they hit the wall, which I suspect we will all do. We will all hit the wall spiritually, emotionally. At once in a while, we're going to hit that wall. And when we do, and it will happen, what's going to happen to our faith? Do we quit? How, what happens? Now, I've, on the other, so I've seen people like, they're so gifted. They get it so fast. And I marveled. And there were others who, okay, they got out of the race. It was like they were stumbling out of the gate, right, falling down. Uh, I went. I don't, I don't know if, if they're going to make it. And then I've watched, I've watched marveling as after some ups and downs and struggles, they eventually found a faith pace. And they shocked me. The one I thought was the blazer fizzles, but the one who had to work through struggle and, but found the way to trust God in their weakness, begin to develop roots because of that stroke, started to grow, begin to find a faith pace that they could keep, and they're running well. It's not, it, it's, it's the ability to sustain. Our struggles force us into grace. Again, the key is to run our race, not to get overly discouraged when it gets hard to keep our feet moving, because um, what are we supposed to do? We talked about this, just keep falling forward. That's all walking is anyway, right? Walk by faith, fall forward. Running, what is running? Just falling forward, that's all it is. I'm moving forward with you, Lord. I'm moving forward with you, Lord. Which is, but what is the focus of our race? Um, the great race, our race, the part of our race that we're in. The great race, our race, the part of the race that we're in right now in this season of our life. How does he want to start? Is it uphill? 
That's hard. Is it downhill? That's a different type of temptation. Is it flat ground? Can get boring. What's our race? Here's the deal. I'll leave it with this. Remember, win or lose, if we stick with him, we win. All right, Lord, let's pray. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to exhort us to, to keep running our race. We're talking about not carrying things that, honestly, we shouldn't be carrying, or at least challenging those things a little bit to lean ourselves down. That emotional, spiritual clutter that creeps its way in, those attitudes. Talking about, Lord, just letting some of that go. Keeping our focus in the right places. So some of it's... Uh, Stuff that we're carrying that we need to let go of. Others of us, it has to do with our focus, which is misplaced. And for others of us, it has to do with our pace. And you're trying to get our attention on certain things. Because uh, you care about our long-haul growth and survival. And our ability to implement blessing generationally. Because real stuff is going to hit us. It does. That's life. But you can teach us how to prevail. I ask that you would do that. Win or lose, we win with you. I thank you for that. Your grace is sufficient, even in our weakness. I ask for your blessing. Bless this closing song. It reminds us how we're supposed to pursue life with you. Bless our time of giving, as many of us honor you in it. And bless this word and let it reside deep in our hearts. This is what I ask, so we run our race well. By your grace, run the race. In Jesus' name, amen.